You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Federal Premium Ammunition and their new Centerfire Rifle Ammunition Terminal Ascent. Now, the Terminal Ascent has a slipstream polymer tip that helps flatten trajectories and initiates low-velocity expansion at longer ranges. The Terminal Ascent gives you match-grade long-range accuracy in a bonded hunting bullet and it comes in a variety of cartridges including the 6.5 Creedmoor, the 280 Ackley Improved, the 28 Nosler, the 7mm Remington Mag 30-06 and the 300 Win Mag. If you want to find more information about the Terminal Ascent, visit federalpremium.com and while you're there, check out It's Federal Season, the official podcast of Federal Ammunition. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host, and you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am your host, Parker McDonald, and, well, I'm just going to be, I'm going to shoot straight. We just recorded like an hour of podcast. <laughs> it's almost 11 o'clock at night, and uh, we're at a Roach Motel in Tennessee. Yep. Me and uh, me and my buddy, Hunter, Hunter Lindsay. Yep. What's up? And uh, we had some good conversation just now about all of Hunter's experiences this season. He's had a killer season. Uh, Killing big bucks and it's all gone. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize that uh, there was a power strip with a switch right underneath my foot (laughs) and I have severe ADD so I fidget a lot. And my toe accidentally turned off the power strip going to the Zoom recorder. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> wonderful. So here we are in Tennessee in a motel, uh, a motel, not a hotel. Yep. A uh, a drug infested motel with probably cameras recording this whole podcast mm-hmm. in it somewhere in the walls. It's a really good setting for a snuff film. To be yeah. honest with you, it's a it's a great place. Um, yeah, I don't really know where to go from here, Hunter. I'm tired. <laughs> Me too. That's we, what sucks. We got to get up early and go deer hunting in the morning. Oh, man, we touched on, you know, everything that me and Reese have been doing in Kentucky and then, um, what I've been doing in Alabama on public land and, you know, 
all three of my public land deer that I've killed this year. This is my first year uh, hunting public land as hardcore as I'm hunting it. Um, transitioning from, you know, a hashtag private land hunter to a hashtag public land owner. <laughs> public land owner. Yeah, yeah. Public land owner. That's what you are now. Yeah. Um, and just the tactics that I've been using and, and the stories about my kills this year and all that stuff. It and, was really and, good stuff, y'all. It yeah. really was. I wish and you could hear it. It's, it's all down the drain. You could actually hear, you can hear, um, my part of it because yeah. my my audio i was able to recover there it is we got we got all of it everything but we don't have your end of it is the corrupted file exactly it's almost like it's the podcasting gods were like this is your fault so we're gonna punish you <laughs> So we're going to make this fast. Yeah. This is going to be a quick podcast. Yep. But guys, understand that we did put in the effort oh, on we this did. thing. We, we did. had some good stuff for you. Um, but we're going to run through ad time real quick. Check out these three companies. New Canoe, if you're interested in kayak hunting. TetheredNation.com, if you're interested in saddle hunting. And Scree Gear, if you want some of the best and most affordable hunting clothing out there. Great camo. You can use the code Southern Ground at checkout, and that will save you 10% on your order by going to ScreeGear.com. So, Hunter, why don't we give a brief, very <laughs> brief rundown of everything that we talked about. Um, some of your tactics going into hunting in Kentucky you threw a wide net of yep. trail cameras yeah me and, and my my good buddy Reese Johnson um who's also a previous guest on the podcast yes and and from what I understand that was a pretty good podcast it was a very good podcast I enjoyed listening to it it did really well it's called how to target specific bucks on public land mm -hmm. and he knows how to do it and he puts in the work he puts in a ton of effort yeah he's probably put about a thousand miles of boot you know, boot time this year. Yeah. Just this year alone uh, on public land. Probably gone through pushing two two pairs of boots already. That's awesome. And um, between me and him, we've put out somewhere between 80 to 100 cameras on public land in Kentucky. And uh, it's really helped us understand how these deer move on the on these big woods in Kentucky. And, it, and it's important, you know, especially in terrain. Um in an area like you like you've hunted mm -hmm. here or not here in Tennessee but in Alabama where you live yep heavy terrain like really steep country yep and some of the steeper country of Kentucky is mm -hmm. where you're at too yep we talked a little bit about that you steep know steep rolling hills and... rolling hills terrain features very subtle terrain features mm -hmm. some of them but um i want you to we're going to just going to do a couple of um uh i guess big buck breakdown yeah stories real quick so i'm gonna kind of shut up for just a few seconds guys this is going to be a very very quick podcast um <laughs> because it's late you can blame me guys <laughs> and just just don't touch that power strip <laughs> this time and we'll be all good 
Uh, no, you, well, I pushed it off to the side just to make sure that I don't get anywhere near it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to do some big buck breakdowns. I may interrupt you and ask some questions here Yeah. Um, as you're kind of telling the story. So mm-hmm. why don't you start with your uh, the story of the buck that you killed in Kentucky? Yeah, so um, so the area that I killed this buck in, um, Reese and I have been running trail cameras through there, and it was an area that Reese had really – uh, honed in on the year before because there was a deer that he really wanted to to go after um in there the year before but we just continued to run cameras this year um in there just to see if maybe that buck would show up there again or um a new target buck would show up and you know Reese goes for a little bit bigger deer than I do um I'm you know I've I've got uh I'll go for a little bit more, you know, easily attainable deer. <laughs> Understandable. And, uh, you know, cause I only, I only have so much time in Kentucky versus he has all the time in the world. Um, and there were three deer that we had on camera back in this area. It was a saddle between, um, really thick bedding and a bottom. And then on the other side of the saddle, um, maybe a quarter mile away, there was a long ag field. Um, in the middle of, you know, big woods. Um, so, uh, I drew for a gun hunt on this specific piece of public land. And, uh, I decided that I was going to dedicate my three days of this gun hunt after it was post rut, uh, to this saddle. Uh, and, um, I sat there the first day and, didn't didn't see anything and and the second day comes around um what's crazy is parker i i don't remember if i told you this or not but um you i may was, have told it to me in the, <coughs> the previous recording that was yeah. an hour long yeah well no i actually forgot <laughs> to tell you this in the previous recording um so i was sitting there um on the second morning and i'd been set up for probably 45 minutes yeah and uh and I hear something coming in behind me from where I'd walked in, and it was another hunter. And, oh, I did not know that. Yeah. So, um, excuse me. <coughs> I promise it's not Rona. Um, and so I have to wave him down and tell him, you know, whistle. I, I whistled pretty loud at him. And I finally get his attention, and he walks back the way he came from. Well, not 45 seconds after that, I'm watching him walk away and I turn back around and this buck is walking straight towards me up the ravine, up the, the draw that comes up to this saddle. <coughs> and, um, so I get my crosshairs on him and I'm, and I decided it's a deer that I want to shoot is, you know, it's 11 point. Um, so he has some pretty cool characteristics. He's got a little kicker coming off in between his G2 and G3. And and uh, I said, yeah, this is a deer that I want to shoot. And uh, and I shoot. And I had to have scared the crap out of that guy because it wasn't 45 seconds after I saw him go out of sight. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, you know, I shoot him and he runs off down to the bottom and I hear him crash and all that. And I, and I call my grandfather and, and uh and i tell him about it you know it's just like you would when you call your dad yeah. all the time that's the first thing you do right after you kill every time and uh so well, so it's it's interesting 
you know, now that you say that about the other guy coming in, a lot of people would have pretty much given up. Yeah. On that hunt after yeah. that. You know, I didn't have time to give up, though. <laughs> That's yeah, the funny thing. <laughs> That's true. But, but most people would have, yeah. You know, or if you didn't give up, you would feel a whole lot less confident about yeah. your hunt. Places like this, I mean, especially when you start talking about pieces that anybody can go to, mm-hmm. any any person can get, you know, onto a lot of these public land areas. Yeah. And you run into people. I've, I know people will, if they have people walk in on them or whatever, they'll get down and go move to a different spot. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, this one, I mean, the deer are going to, they're used to this especially throughout the deer season. Mm-hmm. They're used to people walking in their areas. They understand. Yeah. You know, they just have, they're trying to just survive. And so it could have actually helped you Yeah, that the guy walked away. Cause there's no telling if that sound, you know, that, that deer may have heard you Voice walk line. in yeah, yeah, yeah. when yeah. you walked in and then heard that guy walking away. It could have helped you. He could have been like, Oh, well, it's safe now. Yep. You know, I think they're I think they're smarter than they than we give them credit for. I mean, in, even in on regard. even some on, on some of the trail cameras that we've been running in Kentucky. I mean, you know, sometimes we'll have a hunter walk right by our camera, and five minutes later, there's a deer that walked right in front of the camera. Hmm. So they'll know that somebody just walked through. They watch somebody walk through there, and then they'll just go on about their business. You know, it's if, pretty interesting to to think about yeah it's crazy um seeing how these deer act on these big pieces of public land Mm -hmm. that's pretty cool now going in there into that in that into that spot you had some cameras hung Mm -hmm. um around the area yeah and y'all are mostly just trying to get inventory um but do y'all when you're when you're going into an area like that that you actually plan on hunting is that an area that you will have a camera put in that spot? Yeah. 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 Usually we will, um, these are known areas where, you know, we know deer are moving through there and, you know, you can almost get too dependent on those cameras sometimes Mm -hmm. thinking, you know, well, there's nothing on this camera, so I'm not going to see much in here. But, um, that deer had never been on that camera. I mean, not on that specific camera that I was hunting over. I mean, there were some cameras nearby that he was on. But um, yeah, it uh, it's we we definitely um, were casting a bid net. He's golly, <laughs> I know. It's that. like as soon as we start the second podcast, all the coughs come out. <laughs> That's crazy. But um, so if you had to if you had to put one thing into you had to say there's one thing that helped you kill that deer what would you say it is um just stick into a spot that you know is going to um you're you're going to see deer in and you know for a fact that there are deer that you're wanting to hunt in that area you just got to stick with it sometimes even though um you may sit one day and not see them you know you, you just got to stick with it um you know i I I was actually starting to lose a little bit of confidence in that area because I I'd sat it so many times and only had that I only had one encounter with a shooter in those five or six times that I hunted it. The other times I saw a doe here and there. But um, in these big woods areas, they're moving around so much 
that they've kind of got a pattern that they go on and you just got to be in that area at that time. Do you find they do, they, the deer are different there than they are in Alabama where you're used to hunting? Big time. Um, they, uh, they, they definitely on those big pieces of public in, in Kentucky, they definitely have bigger home ranges. I mean, we've had deer on camera that, um, will move home ranges twice in a season. Like, uh, like they'll move from their southern pattern to a different pattern and then they'll move to another pattern like um all before the rut ends um we we we've probably had some deer that moved as far as 5 or 6 miles before you know from the original spot that we found them back in September hmm. that time frame up to um when we you know, you know, when we end sort of our, you know, my hunting up there and it ends around November, but Reese, he's still, he's still hunting up there right now pretty hard. Um, so we're, we're seeing a move as far as five or six miles. That's pretty from crazy. From there, from where we originally find them. That's insane. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause I don't, I mean, I'm sure that happens occasionally. Yeah. You know, in Alabama and places, but I just seen, it seems like a lot of deer just kind of stick to a spot. Yeah. You know, not, not like, you know, I would say within a mile. Yeah. Of, of one area, you know, they'll, they'll kind of stick to there. Obviously the rut gets them out of those mm-hmm. areas. You know, if they get on a hot dough, they might go, who knows how far. I mean, <laughs> I would be interested to know like how far they are actually capable of moving. Mm-hmm. If there's been, if there's ever been a deer tracked that just goes an ungodly distance yeah that'd be interesting to know i think um especially during the rut just to know like hey what 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 could we possibly looking at with how far this deer could get yeah you know what i mean i mean Um, i've had i've got trail cameras out on public land in alabama that i've gotten deer as far as almost two miles really yeah so it uh but i could tell that that deer was just passing through that area at that second camera Mm -hmm. that that wasn't its home range. Yeah. So you kind of almost got to take it with a grain of salt down here in Alabama. Uh, it's just, yeah. You know, if if they're not showing up on that camera regularly, that it's not, that they're not in there. That that's not that you're not really in their home core area. Yeah, and it's also dependent on the where the camera's at. I mean, they could yeah. be going behind it or, yep. You know, out of range of the camera and stuff. So there's a lot of variables when it comes to when it comes to actually hanging trail cameras, but it seems like there, you know, in, in Kentucky, mm-hmm. you get a lot, um, a lot of good Intel by just casting a wide net, which is exactly what it is. It's a mm-hmm. net and you're catching information. Yeah. You know, you're catching what you're, what you're going after. Um, and again, I'm, I apologize. I'm super tired. So I'm not thinking yeah. as clearly. My questions probably We're, suck. We're both kind of scatterbrained. We're so. kind of whipped a little bit, yeah. but hopefully we can get something out of this. You're a, you're a new public land hunter, yeah, like you said, and um, you went in and had a great season, just being aggressive, mm-hmm. um, consistent. Now, I learned that a lot from Reese. Reese has really made me into more of an aggressive hunter mm-hmm. on this public land. And and going into a place like Kentucky is a good 
way to see kind of how deer act mm-hmm. to heat, you know, yep. like when they're catching heat from hunters. Yep. Because you know there's going to be a buck. You could go almost anywhere on these pl- places in Kentucky and find fresh rubs, fresh scrapes. Mm-hmm. There's deer everywhere. Yep. They're in all of the places. It's just a matter of figuring out where to cut them off, basically. Mm-hmm. In Alabama, you're not going to find that nearly as much. No. In a lot of the deep south, you're not going to find you're not going to find rubs and scrapes right off of the access road. No. You know, <laughs> yeah. like in in Kentucky, as I'm driving down the roads, you see rubs. Oh yeah, just on the roadsides. Yeah, like I was telling you that when you were up there at the same time I was. I mean, I found probably 15 or 20 rubs literally just right there on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't imagine how many people know about these rubs right here. So there's so <laughs> I mean, there's so many deer and you're able to test out um, how how close can you actually get without yeah. bumping a deer or you know, how do they react to certain things? It's, yeah. it's kind of an ex- a good testing ground, mm-hmm. I guess, for, you know, figuring out how you're going to kill deer in Alabama. So you... There, there's a good story. I mean, um, you went out there, you, like we said, casted a big net of cameras. Yep. Um, had an idea of where the deer were at and what they were doing. But you come to Alabama two weeks later and have another really solid hunt that mm-hmm. kind of has a little more detail and a little more strategy into yep. it. Yep. Yeah, I was, uh, I'm not, uh, not really basing my strategy off of trail cameras down here as much because I don't, I haven't had as much time to scout and, uh, put boots on the ground in Alabama, um, in cameras. I probably only got about 15 to 20 cameras out here in Alabama on public land. Um, but this area, um, something was just telling me the night before that I needed to be there for that gun hunt the next morning. And, uh, so I told my buddy, Hey, let's, let's go to this piece of public land and, uh, and go for this gun hunt the next morning. And, uh, and it was, it was somewhat close to an area where, um, a buddy of mine, we had kind of scouted it a little bit, um, back in September, but he actually shot a really good buck, um, back in October uh, a couple ridges over, over from where I shot my buck. Um, and he, uh, he shot it and it and ended up not getting good penetration. So we never found it sadly. But, um, so anyways, we, we went that, that morning and, uh, I decided that I want to sit on this spur ridge, you know, like a little satellite ridge off the edge of this big main ridge. And, uh, and I got, I got set up on that little satellite ridge and, and about seven fifteen, you know, I'm looking at it and the, the terrain features that I had picked. I, I decided that I was going to sit on this ridge for, um, they just, were not as good as I thought they were from cyber scouting. Um, you know, the draw that leads up to that, that satellite Ridge, it just, it was a little too steep for my liking. It was a little bit more open in there. Um, it, it, it just was not what I was thinking was going to be as good as, as I thought it was. And, um, so, um, I text my buddy and I say, Hey, in about 30 minutes, I'm going to get down 
and I'm going to head over to this main ridge and um because I'm just not feeling this this satellite ridge. Um so I sit for about 3 or more 4 more minutes and I decide you know I'm I'm just really not feeling this so I'm just going to go ahead and get down anyways. So I get down um 25 minutes before I said I was going to get down and I go over to that main ridge and start walking down it and I, and there's two benches before you get to the point of the ridge. And uh, I get down to that second bench before you see the point. And all of a sudden, uh, I get to where I can see the point, and there's a doe that jumps up and runs off, and she blows, and she goes down in the bottom. So I'm thinking, all right, well, I'm just going to set up right over here on the edge of this bench um, because off to my right, I can see a big portion of this bottom and I could still see this point and I figured that at some point in the morning there's going to be deer coming to this point to bed on this point and I and I'll see deer possibly in this bottom well I set up my saddle to where I can get real comfortable because I plan on sitting for a while and uh and not two or three minutes after I get everything set up I look over and this buck comes up over the hill exactly from where that doe ran off um, and he look, he comes up there looking around, you know, trying to figure out what had spooked her off. But I'm assuming that he thought it was another buck coming in there, uh, to harass that doe. Um, so I, you know, get my crosshairs on him and I, and I decide it's a deer I want to shoot and I shoot. And, uh, and he runs off the hill, but he, uh. You know, he, he's running it. It looks like he's running at full force, but he's, you, you can tell he's running out of steam like Parker is right now. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, does he look like I, like I do? Parker, he's, he's looking at me right now and his eyes are like glazed over. He's tired, but, um, I am too, but he runs off the hillside there and I, I call my grandfather, you know, just like we were talking about. And, uh, and I give him some time and I go over there and it takes a second for me to find blood and I finally find blood. And when I do, it's like a murder scene. I mean, I had never seen so much blood. And so I start tracking and I'm starting to head off this point. And, uh, you know, I get to where I can see down in the bottom and I'm at the base of a fallen tree and I don't see him anywhere. I'm like, this deer should be dead. Like he should be within eyesight right now. And I'm sorry, you look so tired. I'm not. I'm, I mean, I am, but but I'm I'm I'm, I'm just lo- looking at you. I'm just, and I'm just listening, Hunter. But anyways, again, this uh for for the third time. Um, yep. uh, this is uh, I'm looking down in this bottom, and I don't see him. So. Um, I decide to go off down in the bottom and I step off to the left of the tree and I realize this deer had crawled up underneath this tree and died as he was trying to crawl out the other side from underneath this tree. It was crazy. It, like his, his legs were still underneath his brisket where he was trying to pull himself out and his head was like almost up still. It It was crazy. Like he had died 
directly underneath that tree. It looked That's like the tree insane. had fallen on him. So it it was it was insane to see it like that. And that deer, um, my taxidermist pulled the jaw for me when he was caping it out, and he believes that that deer is is in the six to seven year old range. And some biologist friends of mine um, say he's some yeah he's somewhere between that five and a half to seven year old range. He's definitely mature. Yeah, and. I think it's I think it's interesting about both of these stories, and uh, and we'll kind of kind of wrap it up. This will be a quick podcast, so hopefully people will be able to listen to Big Buck's story on their way to work in the morning, and yeah, it won't be too terribly long. But yeah. I think both of these stories are interesting because there's there's things that happen in both of those that could deter a hunter from continuing to hunt. The first one, obviously, the guy walking in, mm-hmm. and you having a whistle, and then him walking away or whatever. Um, that was like a human kind of human pressure may have dictated that deer, you know, coming, coming to you. And then this, the second one, um, you bumped the dough, Mm -hmm. bumped the dough out of there. And most people would be kind of kicking themselves. Crap. I didn't mean to jump a deer. Yeah. But for where, for this scenario, this specific scenario, I guarantee you that's what he was coming to. Yep. He heard a deer running away heard that doe running away he there's a good chance he's been keeping tabs on her anyways Mm -hmm. and she runs off and the assumption is there's another buck in here trying to kill not trying to kill her trying to (laughs) well he's trying to kill something (laughs) yeah he's he's trying to he's trying to get some yep and um that kind of coaxed him into coming out yeah there's not not a doubt in my mind the way you explain the story there's not a doubt in my mind that's what was going on Mm -hmm. is he heard that movement. He heard that that running away, and he's like, "What the heck's going on here?" Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think the moral of the podcast is not giving up on things that, not giving up in scenarios that a lot of people would give up on. Yeah. Because the deer, I mean, I'm not saying they're stupid. They're not. They're not stupid. They're definitely smart. Mm-hmm. But they do make mistakes and. You know, your natural sounds of you walking in and that deer bumping out and running away. Like, they hear that stuff all the time. They hear squirrels running through the leaves. Yeah. I mean, crap. I don't know if you've ever heard two squirrels chase each other up a tree, but it's It'll loud. It'll definitely wake you up if you're in your days. Y- yeah. Like, it, it's loud. Yeah. And it, it's all of a sudden. It's, I mean, and, and so when you think about you, you know, climbing a tree or that's what killed my buck. In mm-hmm. Kentucky mm-hmm. this year, you know, I climbed that tree and was breaking branches. I had three bucks come in within twenty minutes of each other. Yeah, and I mean, they were they were just curious. Mm-hmm. It happened with my dad in uh, in Alabama last week. We were walking through that fog, and you can watch this on the video on the YouTube channel. We're walking through that fog, and we get to a stopping point, and we're just trying to figure out where we're going to set up at. And I look behind Dad where we had just walked, and there's a buck standing directly behind him. Yeah. Like right behind him. Because the fog was thick. He couldn't see. see He just heard something walking through the leaves and assumed it was a doe. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've always thought that's that's interesting when I hear stories like that because I think there's a lot to it. I think those deer get curious, and especially during the rut, you have – I'm not going to say you have grace in those scenarios, but – 
you, you can kind of use not use it as cover i don't know what the right word that i'm trying to think of is but use, you can use it, to, use your it to your advantage yeah you can use use those noises to your advantage and obviously for you it helped out mm -hmm. i mean yeah. and there's a couple things too that come into it you are mobile you use the saddle the way that it's supposed to be used it's supposed to be used as a way to stay mobile yeah it's a light elevated hunting method mm -hmm. and if you walk a mile and a half in and you decide to sit on the ground okay what did you carry in three three extra pounds yeah you know not much you didn't carry in a whole lot extra so you're a lot more apt to make a decision on where the best spot is not yeah the best spot for this climber yeah i was like uh, you know when i got to that spot i was thinking there's no point in me climbing i mean i can see i can see just about every bit of that point and mm -hmm. i can see a huge portion of this draw so why not sit on the ground you know yep i mean you're just gonna make that much extra noise that much more extra noise by climbing that pine tree mm -hmm. um and time yeah it takes time. I if can't I tell you how many to set deer... up in that tree. With, with, I would have been in the middle of climbing that tree when that buck came in, mm -hmm. I would, and I wouldn't have shot that buck. Yep. So every situation is a little bit different, but your situation is definitely, you know, I mean, they worked out, and yeah. it's not always going to work out that way, obviously. No. But I no. mean, they worked out in that regard of. And if I hadn't got, if I'd gotten down when I said that I was going to get down, when I told my buddy that I was going to get down, and, mm -hmm. and instead of following my gut and saying I need to get down now, mm -hmm. I never, I don't know if I would have shot that deer. Yeah, I mean it's there's a lot to that that people miss out on with less than perfect scenarios. Yeah, the perfect scenario for people is is they they get in before daylight, they get in their spot, they stay quiet, they go undetected, but they might not see a deer. Yeah, if you're not where the deer are, you're not going to kill a deer. <laughs> and sometimes you got to get aggressive. Yeah. Like sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to move. You got to be mobile. Yep. That's, a, that's a better word. So that's a, that's a good couple of big buck breakdowns that you've got. For now, we're in Tennessee, and we're going to try to kill some deer in Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> but first, if, we're, if if Parker doesn't turn into a zombie, first, first we're going to yeah, first we're going to try to kill some <laughs> Z's. We're going to get some sleep. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. Um, mini podcast. Many, many podcasts that we did. We still went 30 minutes, so. Really? Yeah. Wow. So we're good. Yeah. We've only got two hours worth of podcasting that we've done today. I wonder how much of that was like babbling. <laughs> yeah, probably all of it. Every bit of it. I don't, I don't honestly know. I feel like I'm intoxicated mm -hmm. right now because I'm so tired. Yeah. So anyways, mm -hmm. thanks for coming on. We're going to go kiss some yeah. deer. Thanks for having me. Kiss I'm... some deer. Kill some deer. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I mean, I mean, one they're, they're going to kiss the skillet. Yeah, this is true. Mm -hmm. But yeah, thanks for having me, man. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Even I enjoyed though, it a lot more the first time. Even though, yeah, the first time it was awesome. <laughs> first time was so much fun. Yeah, we were definitely way more awake. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if you can, if there's any way you can still save that, but I, I still enjoyed it no matter what, even though I probably ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal, man. I'm not going to deny it. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, let's go kill some deer in the morning. Thank you. And guys, thank you so much for listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Remember this. God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time. <laughs>